All right, today we're going to, if you would please open your Bibles with me to <clears throat> Genesis 37. Genesis chapter 37, page 27. Chapter 37, page 27. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the descendants of Abraham. And the descendants of Abraham coming down, as you remember, Abraham was promised that he would be, Abraham was promised that he would have the heirs that would come, that he would, his descendants would come from him, and that they would be a great nation, and the struggles that they went through for that, because his wife said she couldn't have any children. But the Lord moved, and sure enough, there was Isaac, and Isaac was born, and then Isaac lived his life, and his struggles that he had, Rebecca, and then along came his son, and the sons that came along with Jacob. We'd caught up with Jacob last week with his dealing with Esau and his, as his brother. And all of that issue that went, you can look back online and you can find those kind of things if you need to catch up. But today, we are going to look at the descendants here of going on from Jacob. And so if you look at Jacob chapter 1, we're in verse chapter 37. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. And he had stayed there because his father had been a foreigner in the land. If you remember what the Bible said, Abraham was a foreigner in the land. God had promised him this land to give it to him. And Jacob had gone up and had gone to get Leah and Rachel as wife and other things. You know that whole story if you're familiar with that. Well, Jacob had been living in Canaan now by the time of this story happens today for 11 years. He'd been there 11 years. And this is the record in verse uh, two, it said, this is the record or the account of the family line of what happened to Jacob's family as he went forward. Now, Joseph was a young man of 17 years of age, and Jacob was 108 at this moment. So have you caught up? He'd been there 11 years. His son, Joseph, was 17. Jacob was 108. All of the 12 sons had been born by this time. So we have the 12 sons of Jacob. And Joseph, the Bible says, that Joseph was 17, and he was out tending his flocks with his brothers, the sons of Beah and the sons of Zilpah and his father's wives. See, now those two were the, were the servants for Rachel. They were Rachel's servants. And so he, Joseph, so Joseph came back. I put the word Joseph. And he came, brought back to his father a bad report about his brothers. Now, how do you think that went? We would say, well, he's just being a tattletale. He's ratting on his brothers. What in the world? Ratting on his brothers. And I'm sure they were real happy about that, too. I remember my sister when she would say, I'm going to go tell mother. When she was young enough, I'd say, okay, let's go tell her the whole story. Then she'd back off thinking, ooh, maybe there's something, maybe he has something I shouldn't say. It bluffed for a while. Then she says, okay, come on, let's go tell him. And then I couldn't use that anymore. But he had ratted, he was ready to rat, and he ratted on his brothers. And perhaps they needed to be. But you really don't like your younger brother going and doing that, ratting on you. None of us do. So now Israel, who was the Lord's name, had changed it from Jacob to Israel. And now Israel loved Joseph more than any of the other sons. 
because he had been born to him in his old age. There was another reason, too, and that was because Joseph was Rachel's son. Rachel had two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. The rest were either by servants or by Leah. So he had that, had that going for him, that he was loved, rather be of old age, but he was loved because he was Rachel's. And why? Rachel was the one who was loved by Jacob. Jacob loved Rachel. The rest were just wives. But he loved Rachel. And that whole family dynamic played throughout the whole situation. You can imagine the problems of that, can't you? As it would go forward. So Rachel, by this time, had already died by the time the story came about. Verse 3. Now Israel loved Jacob more than any of the other sons because he had been born to him. And he made him an ornate robe from him. We call it, a, it could have been a cloak, it could have been a, a coat of some type. We call it a coat of many colors. Well, there's some thinking behind that and making of that coat. When he made that coat for Joseph, there was more significance than he was just giving him favor. There was more, more involved in that coat. When he made a coat like that and the colors in the coat that was used meant that you were being stretched up to be a special, special person in the family. You were being elevated into that family. And what it implied then is that Jacob was intending to make Joseph the heir. Wait a minute. He's number 11 in line. Number 11. There are 10 other sons ahead of him to be the heir. But Jacob making him a coat indicated to him, you, I'm saying you, it is my intention because you were the firstborn of the one I love and I love you more than any of the rest. And so I want you to be my heir. Therefore, I'm going to pass on to you the birthright. Now, you remember the contract they had between Jacob and Esau over the birthright. Can you imagine? So here we're repeating this again. This was a terrible decision on Jacob's part. Terrible decision to do that. Terrible thing to make that. Why would he do that to, why would he do that to his, his other sons? Why would he make that thing? Why would he stick that out? He put everybody in a really awkward place. Made a lot of trauma in the, in the, in the family there. Obviously, he had not read How to Pay a Good Parent. And uh, hadn't read that book, hadn't got to Amazon.com. So verse 4, when his brothers saw their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him. And could not speak a kind word for him. And don't you think that's rather understandable? <laughs> you know, I think of, and I've talked about this before, I, I think of a, as a parent with several children, I, <laughs> I love all my children the most. You know, if you're a parent, you know what I mean by that. You love them the most. No matter which one, they can, they can never say, well, I'm dad's favorite. They all are dad's favorites. They're all, I would do anything for them. You know, I would. I, you know, if you want a kidney or something, sure, you can have it. I can lay down my life for you. That would be, I would give it to you for any one of them. And so to show favoritism here, to say, well, I like him more than the others, no wonder there was trouble. There would be in any family. Aren't you glad this isn't your family? 
I thought, oh, my lands, you think we have problems in our family. This, I'm so glad, this is not my family. We have our own quirks and oddities in my family, but this goes, this goes beyond the pale. This is amazing, isn't it? Well, you need to know that some of those brothers were terrible people. We'll look at that more in a moment, but we can't be sympathetic with these guys be too much because Jacob already knew some of them had, were of bad character. And they didn't do what was right. And they weren't honoring God. Joseph stood to honor God. He was the one who wanted to follow God. But not the rest of these other brothers were rascals. Many of them were terrible. And so you need to know that in the background. No wonder Jacob, and Jacob had to live with his family, and these are his kids. Well, sometimes we have kids that are rascals, don't we? Sometimes that happens. So verse 5, now Joseph, he had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers... They hated him all the more. Why? Because he said to them, now listen to the dream that I had. We were uh, binding sheaves of grain, but in the field when the, suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright, and when my sheaves, and when your sheaves gathered around mine, they bowed down. Oh, good. And his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Little brother, will you actually rule us, little brother? And they hated him all the more because of his dream. That he had said, well, he wasn't through. He said, well, then I had another dream. Oh, good, another dream. Another dream, and all he told his brothers, listen, he said, I, I had another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, mom and dad, and the 11 stars, 11 brothers, bowed down to me. And when he told his father this, and his brothers, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what kind of a dream? This is a dream that you had. What kind of dream? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. Now, if you know the story that's coming next week, kind of have an idea about this. But it is fascinating in the uh, Bible Commentary, Volume 1, it said, though it is not stated that Joseph's dreams were of God, the subsequent history of his life makes it virtually certain that this was so. And they were not the reflection of any personal ambition on his part. Yet, he told them with boldness. He went and told his brothers, yes, yes, this was going to happen. Yep, yep. Bowing down, I had this dream. And those, those things went over like a lead balloon. You can imagine how they would feel about that. They went, oh, my word. Not only is it our dad's favorite, but what a miserable character to come around and tell us like that. We will never do that. Ever. Well, meanwhile, meanwhile in the story, his brothers, they pack up and they take the sheep and they go north. They go up to Shechem, up north where they were. They go up to Shechem where his father probably had bought some property. They took the flocks up there because as the season changed, they need to take them for grazing. So they took the flocks up there, all 10 of them went up there, leaving the younger kids, Joseph and Benjamin, behind. 
And after a while, and after a while this, this went on and going, as they made their way up there taking care of their sheep, they received no word back. Jacob received no word from his sons about how it was going. Now, you'll find out why Shechem was of concern, but they were headed up there. They said, oh, this is going to be uh, up there. We need to find out what they are. They evidently didn't have cell phones at that time or email, so we couldn't get communication back and forth. So what would he do? What would he do? And he said, well, now, Joseph, I want you to go up and find your brothers and come back and tell me what has happened to them. I want to make sure they are all right of happening. So Joseph... He went looking for his brothers, the Bible says. He made his way. And when Joseph arrived at Shechem, and a man, he found him wandering around in the fields. They asked him, what are you looking for? He asked. And he says, well, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? And he said, well, they have moved on from here, the man answered. I uh, heard them say that they, they're up, let's go up to Dotham, which was not too far away. So Joseph, so Joseph went after his brothers, and he found them in Dotham, but they saw him in the distance with his coat of many colors. And behold, they, as he, before he reached them, they said they plotted to kill him. Kill the brother. Now, some of these brothers had done a lot of killing. And the stories in the chapters that I'm skipping over, 35, 36, 34, 35, 36, in this story, are gruesome. And we won't deal with them. But just take my word. The Bible says they were cruel. They did horrible things. So for them to say we're going to kill our brother... And meant nothing to them. Oh, it's not, you know, just one more. Get him out of the way. Don't have to deal with him anymore. Let's kill him. And they had been particularly cruel to the uh, Shechemites, and it could have been that that's the reason why Jacob was concerned, and he sent Joseph up there to make sure they were okay. So they said, verse 19, here comes the dreamer. They said to each other, come now. Let's kill him. Throw him into, this, into these cisterns or into these wells and say that a ferocious animal had devoured him. And then we'll see what comes of his dreams. And so the ferocious. Now, there were, there were animals there that would go. And remember Samson? He came across an, a lion. When we go into Israel, we most likely will not see a lion roaming around. But they did at that time. They had lions there. They had other animals that were running around ferocious animals, so they were, they were concerned about it, so they could say, they could naturally say this is a story, he met, he met his demise there. But when Reuben heard this, but when Reuben heard this, now Reuben was the oldest of the family, he was the firstborn, and when he took responsibility for his younger brother, and he said, no, 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 he wants to be careful, so he said to them, when Reuben heard this, that they were going to kill him, he tried to rescue him from their hands and said, let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here and to the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Because Reuben had said this because he wanted to rescue him. He wanted to rescue him and take him back to his father. So that was his plan. He said he would come around and he'd come and get him later. So then Reuben takes off, and the Bible says he had to leave for a little while. 
and be gone. Now, I want you to think of something this morning. And I think it's really important that you notice this. At one moment, Joseph is walking in the sunlight with his coat of many colors. He's out walking in the sunlight, making his way, making his journey to find his brothers. And the next moment, he's down in a stifling darkness in the pit. At one moment, Joseph is in need of nothing. And then in one moment, he is in agonizing need of everything. Because his brothers took him and they threw him in the pit. Could not get out. So can it be with us. Can it not? One moment we're walking along, just high in the world, everything is just going fine. And then, boom, we're in desperate need. It happens. Joseph thought everything was going so well. Life was good. Happening all of a sudden, bang, life dramatically changed. He's in the pit. Perhaps some of you in this moment feel you're in the pit. In need of everything. Where before, in just, just a short time ago, everything was going so well, and now, bang, it's gone. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you don't know what to do. Maybe you're hopelessly in debt. But you see, Joseph was in the pit, and it could happen instantly. So then along came some Midianites, merchants, and as they came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern, out of the pit, and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, the sons of Ishmael, who they took him to Egypt. And the evil deed, the horrible deed, was done. They had finished and were done with Joseph forever. But there was a problem. There was a problem because they had to go tell their father. How do you do that? So they had to concoct a story of what they were going to tell their father. And so they killed a, uh, killed a kid and they um, a lamb, and then they, they poured the blood all over the coat, and they took it back, and they, they had their act together, and they said to their dad, uh, we weren't sure if this was his coat, but we found this. Is this his coat? Oh, yes, Jacob. That is his coat. Well, it looks like an animal has gotten him. And they did not realize the impact of that story would have on Jacob, their father. And he went into deep mourning, the loss of his son, for weeks. And his sons, and the sons and the daughters of his family, no one, the wives, no one could comfort him. He was in deep, deep depression and deep mourning for the loss of his son. 
patriarchs and prophets says, the young men, these young men, these brothers, terrified at what they had done, yet dreaded their father's reproaches, still hid in their own hearts the knowledge of their own guilt, which even to themselves seemed very great now. Seemed very great. So what, what had taken place in now, now for years... They started this lie that they were keeping hidden in there. Now every one of the ten had to keep their mouth shut about it. Every one of the ten had to keep carrying that in their hearts. They had to make sure that that secret never got out. Can you imagine having that family secret among you and you never said a word to about it to anybody? You held that guilt knowing what you did to your brother because they put him into slavery, which was the worst possible thing he could do in that day. They sold him off to slavery. It was worse than death. And so away he went. Now he's gone. No retrieving, no way back. And how do you tell your father what you did to him? And so they hid that in themselves, and they kept that secret. For years, they kept that secret. Meanwhile, the Bible says the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. And as I was going over this, I was going, what a terrible, sad story this is. What a terrible, sad story. Now, please remember, these are the people of God's plan. These are the people that are going to be God's missionaries to the world. These are the people that are going to be God's chosen people. How in the world would God choose them? So, when I was in college, I had a religion teacher by the name of Dr. Paul Quimby. Dr. Paul Quimby had uh, spent many, many years as a missionary into China. Although he was Caucasian, he wished he was Chinese. And he learned and wrote his doctorate in Chinese. It took him eight years to learn the language well enough to write his doctorate in Chinese. I personally have not read his doctorate. I assume I've seen it, but it's in Chinese. No English translation. But he got his doctorate and, uh, from China. And he helped them with their educational system. And he loved the Chinese. And he told us one time, when I get to heaven... The first question I'm going to ask is, why didn't you choose the Chinese? You should have chosen the Chinese. It would have been much better. They would have served you. They would have fallen. They would have loved you. You should have chosen them. <laughs> well, it'll be an interesting discussion, I'm sure. But, you know why God chose Israel? The Bible tells us the reason why he chose them. Simply because he loved them. That's his answer. Why did I choose you? Because I loved you. Doesn't mean he didn't love other people. He loves all of us. But he chose them because he loved them. Knowing the difficulties and the struggles that would be in their lives and in their experience. So here's Joseph taken to Egypt. A slave, sold by his brothers, one who was to be in the line and lineage of Christ, 
taken and gone. But man's plans aren't God's plans. Have you caught on to that? Man's plans are not God's plans. God's plans are different. And from this story, we learn that even though he was sold and sent into Egypt into slavery, God's plan would still succeed. No matter what angles, no matter what circumstances, no matter what had happened, no matter how it had been thrown, God's plan would not be thwarted. No matter what happens in Washington, D.C., in Congress, or in North Korea, Venezuela, in the Middle East, no matter what happens, God's plan will not be thwarted. He will succeed in what he's going to do. He will come in the clouds of glory, and he will take us home. And there'll be no doubt about that. Because he's shown us time and time and time and time again how he fulfills his promise and his plan because no matter what man does, no matter what happens to serve, God cannot be thwarted. Even though men go to the grave, he can raise them up as Lazarus. He will not be thwarted. No matter what pit you may be in now, God has plans for you. Bigger plans. You're not at your end of your rope. It's not the end. And just as Joseph was helpless, he thought, down in the pit, God's plan would not be thwarted. And even though he went into slavery, next week we'll learn, God went with him and the great miracles that God performed as he went with Joseph. So this morning, I'll leave you with this thought today. No matter what is happening in your world, whatever's going on, many of you may be in serious struggles at this very moment. And you know, God is saying to us, trust me, my plan for you will be fulfilled. Trust me. You may be in the pit, you may have circumstances, you may be falling into the pit this week. Trust me. No matter how dark it gets, no matter how helpless, how much you think everything's going well, and then boom, just the whole bottom falls right out of you and you're in there. Trust me. I will abide with you and be with you no matter what comes your way. Because my plan will not be thwarted, God said. God has a thousand ways to solve our problem of which we have never thought. We are limited. God is not limited. And he can solve our problem. I mean, there are people sitting here who could testify that in their personal lives right now. But how about you? No matter what comes, I trust him to take care of me. Dear Lord, I thank you for this story. It's a powerful, powerful story. It's a sad one, but in the next few pages of Holy Scripture, 
It turns into a great experience to your glory and to your honor for the salvation of others, for the healing of that family. Yes, you had plans, and they would not be thwarted by man's incredible sinfulness, by man's actions. Your way would be opened and would go. I thank you, Lord, that you provide that opportunity for each of us, and no matter if we're in the pit, slipping into the pit, or in help, Lord, if we've fallen into the darkness, that you have a way out. May your grace be sufficient for us, as you have promised. And may we be trusting in you as our Lord, our Savior, our leader, our rescuer. In Jesus' precious name, amen.